What's needling EMS this week? I'll tell you what is. Operation Warp Speed. Boldly going where no mass inoculation has gone before. I'm Rob Lawrence, and this is EMS One Stop. my one-stop extra on today's podcast, I will deliver a full narration of my article that originally appeared online at ems1.com or many other social media platforms. Additionally, I will welcome a special guest to have a quick chat on the subject and see if we can pull out any takeaways. So before today's read, I would like to introduce and welcome my very special and returning guest, the president of NAMT and the guy with an unfeasibly long title from MedStar at Fort Worth, Matt Zavadsky. Welcome back, sir. Welcome, Rob. It's always an honor to be on air with you. And uh, I just learned so much from you and and you give great insight into a number of issues facing our industry. So thank you for having me on your show. Thank you for joining me. And uh, the the new format for my one-stop, obviously, is not only to long-form narrate my column, but to add a little bit of extra into the the proceedings and uh, today's topic as you know is uh, the vaccinator and vaccinated so before we go any further uh, i hope you're sitting comfortably let's listen to the article in long form so far in the pandemic ems has been ever present on the front lines and has been the utility player that has bailed out and propped up other areas of the healthcare spectrum we've not only responded but tested tracked evaluated augmented and deployed In addition to COVID-19, we've also provided mutual aid in large numbers to parts of the country that have suffered both Tempest and Inferno. With a few months to run in 2020, we're all checking our bingo cards to identify what could be next. The answer is vaccinations, both giving and receiving. It's reasonable to assume that EMS and its competent and qualified workforce will soon feature in the national effort to vaccinate a population of 320 million people. Given the emerging detail on research and trials, we may well have to be part of the plan to deliver 640 million doses, as the inoculation regimen may require a two-part dose over a few weeks. Vaccinations are about to become a thing as we work out if we are to be part of a delivery plan for our local, district or state. Secondly, and more of a challenge for every chief, is ensuring that their workforce is protected and immunised with a jab that, according to sources, only 50% currently want. Let's break it down further. On September 16, 2020, HHS and DOD released two documents laying out the administration's detailed strategy to deliver safe and effective COVID-19 vaccine doses. The documents, part of the President's Operation Warp Speed program, provide a strategic overview and a more detailed playbook for state, tribal, territorial and local public health programs and their partners on how to plan and operationalise a vaccine response to COVID-19 within their respective jurisdictions. The immediate task laid on states is to produce microplans to cover delivery, distribution, administration and documentation. Vaccine sites have to be selected, 
staff or subcontractors have to be identified and onboarded, and the IT system that's going to document a nation's worth of inoculation and ensure that patients return for their second bolus from the same batch within a specified time needs to be established. Storage in particular may well be an issue as typical vaccines should be stored in a refrigerator. For example, influenza vaccines are stored between 35 degrees Fahrenheit to 46 degrees Fahrenheit, which is 2 degrees C to 8 degrees C. But COVID vaccines may have more stringent storage requirements up to and including freezing. The cooler on the truck this time that contains the ice water isn't going to cut it. As part of that preparation, states are beginning to authorise expansions of local scopes of practice. Organisations are being invited to develop processes and procedures with their local health departments to authorise paramedics to, to administer seasonal influenza vaccination and, when available, COVID-19 vaccination. In short, there's a lot of work to be done in short order, and agencies, departments and organisations need to identify their place in the task ahead. According to the Warp Speed document, plans and planning are afoot. This may all lead to a case of hurry up and wait as the actual arrival, post-phase 3 testing of the vaccination from one of the manufacturers, remains, despite political promises, at an unknown date. An immediate leadership and management challenge is emerging, which must be addressed before we inoculate the first patient. The recently published EMS1 survey on the impact of COVID-19 vaccination amongst frontline personnel yielded, some will say, predictable results. The survey received more than 500 responses identifying that paramedic chief respondents were most likely to get a COVID-19 vaccine at a rate of 51% versus 32 to 35% in EMS supervisors and in 22 to 23% in paramedics, AEMTs and medical first responders. Only a few weeks ago, we lobbied hard to be included in the highest priorities of vaccination rollout. We are in the category of healthcare workers and vulnerable populations, which is where we should be. But there is a current reluctance to be at the very front of the line, which may cause some federal consternation. With the vaccine in stage three clinical trials, many are concerned over the potential side effects, speed of the approval process, efficacy and availability of an imminent vaccine, Many more believe that they've been operating in the COVID-19 environment for the last six months and are fine. Why should they be vaccinated now? Just as a postscript to that, of course, our president is currently in hospital because perhaps he had the same views. Who knows? There are a lot of known unknowns going forward, and to feel weary of COVID-19 considerations is perhaps a natural thing. But the challenge is to follow the science and not an infodemic of disinformation and to ensure our own clinically-minded staff understand the risks and benefits to their health and well-being. Public health understanding and messaging are going to be a major player in the next few months, and to put the minds of our overworked and probably exhausted workforce at ease, we must keep them informed and engaged. So that was my take, and obviously I'd like to hear yours in the comments section of the original article on EMS1, but the reason for having a guest on is to get a little bit of an overview and a little bit more insight. So from your national perspective, Matt, you're sitting as president of NEMT, how are things going in terms of, do you think, us being ready and prepared to assist with the national effort to vaccinate 320 million or 640 million, plus flu jabs, plus normal daily business, so that's about a billion syringes <laughs> we're about to go through uh, very shortly. 
Yeah, if we can actually find the syringes and, and the uh, medium upon which to administer the vaccine. And Rob, excellent job on the article. I really enjoyed listening to it as well as the earlier read. You know, one of the great things that's happened during the course of the coronavirus is a number of the large national associations have worked in concert to push very good public policy and opportunities for the EMS profession. And relating specifically to the vaccine, there are a couple of things that EMS professionals really need to understand. One is we've all worked really, really hard to make sure that EMS is in the top tier, tier one, of being able to be vaccinated for the coronavirus in, in whatever way that looks when, it, when it's finally approved and gone through all of its vetting. And that's a huge accomplishment. And, and we really want as many of our EMS professionals to take advantage of that opportunity as possible. Um, so I think the first thing we should talk about, Rob, is the, the potentially natural skepticism, if you will, of EMS practitioners uh, on vaccines and specifically this one. And, and you referenced it a little bit in your article. Um, what do you think the reception is going to be from the EMS workforce um, when, the, when the coronavirus vaccine comes out? Well, let's go straight to the EMS One survey that uh, happened last week and was reported on, and I think you commented on, that we saw about 50% of you know, our line medics are either nervous or skeptical or weary, or possibly, and I think you may have said this, just tired, and are mm -hmm. saying, nah, we'll give it a miss. Well, then compare that to we've just been lobbying to have us up the top of the tree for the, for the inoculations. Are we going to go back to the feds and go, ha <laughs> just kidding. I mean, you know, how are we going to rationalize this? Yeah, I certainly hope that doesn't happen. You know, uh, even something as simple as flu vaccine has taken a long time for the EMS practitioner to really understand that they need to get it. And, you know, at MedStar, we just did a uh, massive flu vaccine initiative with our workforce. And for the first time in a very long time, we had nearly all of our workers come for that vaccination. Typically, we get, you know, 55, 60% that will come for the vaccine, but we had well over 90% this particular time. And, and I had the opportunity to do a couple of those clinics and actually stick people with needles and give them their vaccine and took that sort of straw poll when um, was sticking people into their deltoid with, with the flu vaccine and asked them, you know, if a coronavirus vaccine comes out, are you going to get it? And much like we saw in the EMS1.com survey, um, the vast majority of, of street medics said, no, I'm going to pass and wait until the second wave or the second round of the coronavirus vaccine. And when I asked them, you know, why is that part of their, and actually a large part of their trepidation with getting the vaccine when it first came out was the science and their perception of the speed at which this vaccine is going to be approved. So I think we as a country, we as healthcare professionals, we as um, you know, literally just those frontline healthcare workers really need to trust that this process is going to be such that the vaccine is going to be safe. We, I won't comment on the effectiveness yet, but will be safe when it's finally made available to the public. And we really, really need to have our frontline EMS workers get this vaccine as soon as possible once it comes out in order to be part of the vaccinator, to your comment earlier, um, and we'll talk about that you know, in, in a few minutes, but would strongly encourage people to do it. And we recognize that you know, EMS professionals typically tend to see the worst in everything, but let's put that aside. And when it becomes available, 
really do everything that we can to make sure people get vaccinated. I'm one that I don't want to see this whole thing politicised. And there were some earlier comments that, yes, we're going to have it ready by the election. Perhaps that's driving people's nervousness that they're going to push this thing through. The clinical folk and the research folk I've spoken to are very, very clear that until we get a successful trial, and of course there are a number of uh, uh, Johnson & Johnson over here, AstraZeneca in the UK, and I'm sure many, many others are working through this uh, in, the, in an appropriate way and so I don't think we're going to see this until it's ready as opposed to when the politicians are telling us we're going to get it and perhaps that might just do a little bit to you know persuade people that it's not such a bad thing uh, if we just follow the science I guess. Yeah and that's going to be the key and and you know EMS workers again tend to be a little bit more clinically savvy than the general public and I know that that's been a concern from the general public that they're you know, thinking that this is being rushed through. And, and of course, you know, if we can provide the information to the EMS workforce, to the healthcare practitioners, that, yeah, this is the trials that it went through. And yes, it's reasonably effective and very safe. Um, we just need to keep communicating that as a, as, an, as a way to get more people willing to take the vaccine. That's vaccinated. Let's talk about vaccinators. And uh, so how are you preparing within the state or within the city to become part of the vaccination effort uh, if, when COVID does come along. Obviously, warp speed and perhaps the speed might be a little bit of a, uh, an oxymoron there. But that said, how are you getting ready to assist? Yeah, so um, I think we'll start, let's start nationally, Rob, if you don't mind for a second. So we, oh, the EMT and, and others, have been working with the National Governors Association, working with ASPR, a number of organizations, to remind them that EMS has a standing army of healthcare professionals that are out in the community, in their local neighborhoods, in stations or post locations or other things, and they're a trusted resource to be able to help with the distribution and administration of the vaccine. And that message has been very well received, both federally and with organizations like the National Governors Association. Um, so we really, advise and would recommend that the local EMS folks that are listening to this podcast and are reading your articles really start having dialogues in their local communities to educate your local folks that this is an option. The National Governors Alliance Association is going to be putting out some policy guidance for the states, uh, the health policy people specifically in the governor's offices, to include EMS in the administration of the vaccine once it comes out. We've also reminded them that you don't need to wait for that COVID vaccine to do that. Let's do that with the flu vaccine. And thankfully, we have heard nationally through the, we're in the, in the EMT hat for a second, that many EMS agencies have been doing flu vaccines for the community. You know, we're doing it in our service area, Fort Worth and, and the area around uh, doing mobile flu clinics where we bring um, you know, a couple of EMTs, paramedics to businesses, to community events, um, Catholic charities just asked us to come out and do one for the homeless. And we're going to do that um, next week or two weeks from now to, to really step up the flu vaccine. And you can leverage that partnership and that demonstration of value into the next level to be able to do the coronavirus vaccine in whatever form it comes out here, certainly well after the election, but when it comes out, because we are a logical fit for that. And quite frankly, Rob, there's a lot of funding for that. So we know that, that NHTSA, the EMS office and others have really been begun working the process of how would the funding for using EMS to do flu vaccine, COVID vaccines, really help offset any costs that we may have 
with that enhanced service level in our communities. Very wise words. And, you know, for the last seven months, I guess, we have been the utility player, as I said in the article for EMS. We've uh, been doing everything we can to, to help out. And obviously, this is just a part of the natural progression uh, going forward. The other thing, of course, is you are now coming to the end of a pretty remarkable tenure as president of NAMT. You are, you are a couple of months and, and a national election to cope with away. But what would you like to say to the guys on the ground right now with your presidential hat on? First, I want to assure all of the NAEMT members and the EMS community in general that there will, in fact, be a smooth transition of power um, when that takes place, which, which may not be the case uh, with our, our federal electorate. But um, first, you know, Bruce is going to, Bruce Evans is the incoming president. He's going to do a phenomenal job. Um, as many people know, when you change roles in an organization, that doesn't always mean that you are no longer involved. So NAEMT, like many other national associations, does a great job with succession in that the um, president who's been president for two years now moves into a role of president-elect, by the way, which is the best title on the planet. I'm sorry, <laughs> the immediate past president. Oh, you're, you're coming back again. Okay, I thought you said you weren't rigging this. There's literally no. no rigging in this election, right? No, immediate past president, which, <laughs> which I've been told by other folks is really the best title on the planet, but um, still obviously will remain very involved, part of the executive committee for NAEMT. It has never been more important for membership in national associations and pick your national association, whether it's the American Ambulance Association, International Association of Fire Chiefs, NAEMT, whatever it is, because the efforts and the fruit that these associations have been able to garner together over the course of the last year during the coronavirus pandemic has been powerful. Um, and we can only do that with support from our membership. So as part of your profession, you should join a national association, support it, become involved, advocate, uh, have your voice heard, because we can only do what we do as national associations with the input and support of members. Thank you for that, Matt, and I couldn't agree more. And uh, of course, we both know that we've seen the power of the collaboration uh, and the achievement of that and it's something that uh, something to behold and i hope it continues so thank you matt uh, how can we get in touch with you uh, should anybody actually want to get in touch with you <laughs> sure um and actually we are willing to, to provide information that we have given to the national governors uh, association as well as protocols that we use for um, flu vaccines and other things if, and protocols if you want to use them in your local community um m zavadsky m-z-a-v-a-d-s-k-y common spelling, um, and happy to email you all that information or hop on the phone with you and walk through some of the challenges that you have or questions that you have. Great. Thank you very much, Matt. And I can be followed on Twitter at UKRobL or LinkedIn. That's it. I've been Rob Lawrence. My guest has been Matt Zabansky. Together, we are the Statler and Waldorf of the EMS <laughs> environment. And until next time, bye for now. That is all for now, but if you're listening on the SoundCloud, just hang on for one second because coming up next will be Chris and Kelly with Inside EMS. See ya.